Well, the Holy Spirit is so prevalent in our lives. And um, today, I want to talk to you about something that I feel that um, God showed me, that there's a lot of people in my life, and there's a lot of people that we come across on a day-to-day basis that struggle with this thing that we like to push under the rug called complacency. Complacency is a place that I believe that you get to that you don't even know that you're in. Sometimes you're in a place that God has to let something happen or God has to move something or God has to do something or move you to show you, hey, wake up, you're stuck and you gotta keep going because I have more for you. And I think that a beautiful story in the New Testament that shares that is Moses, right? A lot of times when we think about Moses, what do we think about? We think about he parted the Red Sea, and we kind of forget the things that led up to that moment. But wow, what a testimony in Moses. What a man that if he had given up, if he had stayed complacent, then think about the Israelites would have never come out of Egypt. They'd be there, they'd still be stuck today. But because he moved out of a place of complacency, he was able to go forward. I think we have to move up on the stage because of Facebook. (sighs) Sorry, Facebook. (laughs) So I'm going to read to you in Exodus. Um, So a little bit of the background of the story, if you don't know the story. um, Moses, he was um, a young child, and his mother put him in a basket because she knew that if she didn't, that he would be killed because of Pharaoh and what he wanted. So she put him in this basket, and this lady found him. And I think it's beautiful because even though his mom had to give him up, I can't imagine giving my baby up. But even though his mom gave him up, she still got to take care of him. And I think that's just a beautiful promise in God's word that we'll always be able to be there. And God will always be there for us. So um, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were. And he watched their hard labor. He saw an, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that seeing that no one. So he killed the Egyptian, and in him, and hid him in the sand, I'm sorry. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you the ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. He knew that he did wrong, so he felt like he had to run. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the Pharaoh and went to live in the Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters. and they That's a lot of daughters. That's a lot of drama. And they came to draw down, to draw the water, and fill in the troughs to the water for their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? asked the father. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay, to stay with a man who gave his daughter, Zephora, to Moses in marriage. Zephora gave birth to a son, and the Moses, and they named him Gershom. They got some weird names in the Bible. 
Like I, I don't, I'm, gl- I'm kind of glad that my baby's not is not Gershom. Like that's, I'm glad we, I'm glad we've progressed to the 21st century. Those are some great names, but man, sometimes I wonder. They make it really hard for people that are trying to read the Bible. I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their help and their cry for help because of their slavery. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked to the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of a fire from within a bush. Moses saw, the, saw that, though the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see what this strange sight is. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord <clears throat> saw that he had gone over to take a look, God called to Moses from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So we're going to stop right there, and we're going to pick that up in a little bit and kind of follow along. So I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like maybe you don't challenge yourself anymore? You feel like you kind of got it all together, or you feel like, you you know, I'm, I'm not trying to learn anything new. Maybe you're an older person, and you're like, I haven't learned it for 80 years. I'm not going to learn it in 81 years. Or maybe you're a younger person and you're like, I just don't, I just, no, I just don't try. I'm not going to try. You don't, you don't hold yourself um, or you hold yourself back from challenging yourself because a lot of times if we challenge ourselves, we'd be so much more, right? But we hold ourselves back because of circumstances in life. Maybe you're someone who rejects change. You don't like change. I know this woman and when she has to move, it's, um, she legit has like panic attacks because she hates change so much. She fears change. She likes to stay within her comfort zone. That's a lot of us, right? We like to be comfortable. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone because we feel like, I got, okay, I got it all together. This is good. This is good. This is good. I'm in control here because I'm in my comfort zone. Maybe you feel stuck or stagnant and you don't really have the desire to climb out of that stuck or that stagnant. Nobody wants to be that way, but a lot of times when we think about it, we are. We feel like we can't do better or because of things in our life, we can't go on or we can't move. Maybe you lack ambition. You just don't care. You're just like, I, I, don't, I don't really care to do better. I don't necessarily want to be better. My life is good, and I really don't have a passion for this anymore. I don't have a passion. I Maybe I should have a passion, but I don't have a passion. I have no reason to do better. Maybe you develop, um, you've developed an unhealthy pattern to cope with things in your life, like substance abuse or binge eating or anything that has become an addiction to you. Or eventually, maybe you're just one of those people that you feel like you stop growing. 
Like, this is all you're going to be. This is the good as it's going to get mentality. More, and it's more than just physically, right? We're all going to physically stop growing. I mean, we might grow outward, but eventually we're going to start stop growing downward or we might grow shorter. I don't know. So... According to the catalog, the thought catalog of 2015, if you experience any of those things that we just talked about, then you're considered complacent. Okay? Now, you have to talk to you and God and figure out whether you really are complacent, but those are things that complacency, they kind of just like, they're big like buzzers. They just shine. They make, they make a sign that make us believe, okay, maybe you're complacent. If you go to a psychiatrist and you tell them those things, they're going to give you, you know what, I think you're complacent. So that's what that means. So today we're going to talk about the complacency course. So complacency, I feel like a lot of people, you know, like when you look at the word complacency on Google, because we're all good for going to Google, and we look at that word, it takes us up to a lot of business sites, right? Because in business, people become complacent. They become prideful. They become like, oh, this is good. It's good. I don't need to do better. I'm good. I'm all good. But today I want to open your eyes to the fact that complacency is a spiritual thing. I believe that complacency is a stronghold that the devil can put in your life or the devil can bring you to that place. And I'm going to show you how he takes you to that place. And he likes to put you there because he knows if he can get you there and you become complacent and you stay there, then he can keep you there and he can move you out of the greatness that God has called you to. And we definitely don't want to do that. So the root, the root of complacency, that's our first chair here. So a lot of times in life, things happen. Life gets hard. Sometimes life just sucks. And it's bad. And we don't get it. And we don't understand. And we cry about it and we moan about it. And we're just, it's hard. Life is hard. Nobody promised that life would be easy. Uh, I don't know anywhere in the Bible that God said, life's going to be good. Don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Life is easy. No, God said, I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you. Don't worry about it. Just pray about it because I'm going to guide you. But he didn't say life would be easy. So the root, everything comes from something, right? Have you ever been around someone um, or have you ever been in the car with someone and you've been in the car and someone comes out and pulls out right in front of them. And instead of just, you know, like getting a little bit upset, they go from zero to 100 real quick because that's me. If you want to make me mad, pull out in front of me, see what happens. Because <laughs> I promise you, it's, I, I, I get so, I get so upset. Oh, I hate, I hate Wilmington traffic. If there's something I loathe in this world, it is the traffic in Wilmington because it is awful. But, and people, people just drive me crazy when they drive. I just don't know. But I just don't understand. But <clears throat> from that, so the other day I was in that, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, why do I get so upset about that? Like, why does that bother me so bad? And <clears throat> I thought about it, and I was listening to this message from Stephen Furtick, and he was like, maybe, you know, maybe you need to take a step back and look at yourself if you're in a rush to get somewhere, but you don't have to rush to get there. Like, why are we like that? What is causing us to be like that? So we have these things called roots. Everything comes from something. So maybe some roots in our lives are bad experiences. Someone's hurt you. Someone's betrayed you. Someone's lied to you. Um, deception, words of encouragement. People told you you're stupid, that you're not going to be anything. That anger, hate, guilt. Maybe you did something and it's eating you up on the inside. But what we're really good at in America, and not just in church, but in America, is saying, I don't have time to process, all right? How many people 
know someone that say, no, I'm not going to counseling. That's just not for me. That's just not for me. A lot of people, there's like a counseling shame, right? Like, I don't want to go to counseling. I don't want people to know that I'm in counseling. But you know what? Counseling is the best thing for you because sometimes you need to process every time you need to process because what happens when we don't process is we get stuck and we get in these things and they're called roots. We get spiritual roots. And what happens when we have a root and a root and a root? They all start to bind together. They all start to come together. And eventually, like in this plant right here, this plant is really pretty on the outside, and I don't have a green thumb, in case you were wondering. Um, but this root here that I've lacked to take care of um, has become root-bound, right? And so basically, because it's become root-bound, it's started to die, and the leaves are starting to turn colors, and it doesn't have anywhere else to grow. And so sometimes in our lives, all these roots that we have, they become bound together, and we can't grow. We can't grow any further, and then eventually what happens is because we can't grow, and because we dry up, and because we're intertangled, and because we're mad at the world, and we're mad at society, and everyone has hurt us, and everyone has offended us, and everyone has made fun of me and told me that I'm not good enough, we die. Now, you might not die, but you'll spiritually die. You'll spiritually become complacent, which is pretty much equal to spiritual death, right? Because when you become complacent, you say, I don't need anything else. I don't need to go any further. And that's exactly what happens. So let's talk about Moses. So um, Moses, he had his roots, right? So he decided, I feel like in, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but just analyzing the Bible and reading some different scriptures and some different theologians, I feel like Moses was probably pretty upset, right, when he found out that he wasn't an Egyptian. I feel like, I mean, I, I mean if someone had lied to you your whole entire life, and you thought that you were something, and then you found out you're not, and then, oh my gosh, I'm one of those people that they're beating, and I've been mean to those people, but those are my people. Imagine the guilt he must have felt. Or imagine that, I can imagine he probably felt like a failure. He felt like he failed those people. He felt like he was wrong, so he ran, he hid, and he had all these roots that bound up inside of him. And then eventually, Moses became complacent. So the when we get root bound, we stunt our growth, right? We stunt our growth. That's what happened to this plant. The roots started binding and they stunted the growth and the leaves started falling off. The leaves are dying and they're, and they're, they're breaking off. There's nothing, there's nothing good from this plant, right? I could probably really doctor and it would come back to life and I don't have a green thumb. So if someone else wants to take this plant home, by all means. <laughs> so the next thing is the two mentality. I love the word two. How many of you guys know there's some multiple versions of the word two, right? Okay, so the two mentality, the too much mentality. When complacency starts to move in, I would, but. So I would, but. I would do this, but. I would do this, but. I've been hurt too many times. I like where I'm at. I'm too comfortable. I'm too busy. I'm too busy living the life that, or I'm too busy living for everyone else that I can't be me. I can't do what I want to do. I'm too tired. I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. I'm too concerned about what others will think about me and what others will say about me. I definitely think Moses felt that. But this is my favorite. I'm too in tune with the devil's voice 
that I can't hear God's voice, right? So Pastor Cindy, in our training the other day, um, told us something, and I was like, wow, I've really never thought about it like this, but it's li- I mean, it is, like, it is life-changing. It will change your life. She said, the devil speaks in first person, all right? So the devil speaks in first person. The devil doesn't define who you are. So when he's speaking to you and he's saying, I can't do it, or when you're in your mind, I can't do it, I suck, I'm not good at this, I just can't, I'm a failure, I'm hurt, I'm broken, that's the devil speaking about himself. He doesn't define who you are. He can't speak over you. He can't walk and talk about who you are. The devil can just talk about who he is and manipulate it so you think that he's talking about you. And I was like, come on, Pastor Cindy. Like, that was so good. That was so good because the devil does. And, and the more I think about it, I'm like, wow, like, that's so true. The devil speaks in first person. Who's a parent in here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. All right, we have a lot of parents in here. All right. Very cool. So if you're a parent, I guarantee at one point in your life, you told your kid, I am tired of hearing your excuses. I want you to get your little tail and go clean up your room. I want you to get your little tail out there and go get a job. I'm tired of hearing your excuses. I want you to get your little tail in there and do your homework, right? I'm tired of your excuses. But one day I wonder if my child would look to me and say, Mom, I know you tell me I'm tired of your excuses, but you make excuses all the time to be stuck. You make excuses to to not do better. I hear you talking on the phone. I hear you talking to people. I hear you saying things, but mom, you're making excuses. What if we flip the perspective on that and we stop making excuses so that when our kids look at us, they can't say, well, you make excuses, right? We need to be who we want our kids to be, right? We can't lead by example and, and, then, be, and then get mad at them and say, well, you're doing, and well, mom, you're doing it too, right? We can't do that to our kids. We have to lead by example. So we have to overcome these things called roots. We have to overcome the two mentality. Let's talk about Moses's two, okay? So the next part in the story, and I'm not gonna read it, I'm just gonna paraphrase, but the next part in the story, we talked about Moses, how he, um, he got married, right? Who's ever become complacent once they get married? I'm good enough. I'm not going to diet anymore. I'm not going to work out anymore. They're stuck with me, and we until death do us part, and you know what? It's too bad, so sad, right? It's what happened, right? You get married. It's all downhill from there. So (laughs) Moses, he got married. He had everything he needed. He was kind of looked at as like the hero, right? And he was good. He was good. He was all good. He didn't really need anything else. He, had the, he was taking care of things. Everything was all peachy keen. So I believe that Moses' two would be that I'm too comfortable. I think he was too comfortable living his own life. He was too concerned about what the um, Egyptians would think of him. Like, what would they think about this man that grew up just like they did, but he's coming to save the very people that they hate? What would they think about him? They would think that he was um, not trustworthy, definitely. They would think that he was a liar. They would think that he was fake, right? In America, in, in a millennial's mindset, the one thing they long for is authenticity, I think that young people, I think that's where a lot of times the church messes up because we, we don't, we're not authentic all the time, right? 
but young people, they long for authenticity. And I think that Moses went and thought in his mind, they're not going to think of me as an authentic person. I've grown up one way. I've been one way. And now I'm going to go back. No, no way I'm doing that. I'm just not doing that. I'm too doubtful. I think he doubted God. So in the, the next part of the, um, the story, it talks about how he doubted God, right? And he was, even though God was standing there and God had a daggone burning bush in front of him, he was like, but God, I can't. I'm not good enough. Have you heard me? I, stu- I, stu- I stutter. I can't do that, God. God, I can't. God, what are, they're going to look at me and laugh at me and tell me I just can't do that. They're going to tell me I'm wrong. You want me to go tell Pharaoh to let your people go? Ha, that's probably not a good idea. But God said, tell them that the I am sent you. Tell them that the I am that I am sent you. And he said, and it's going to be okay, right? So I feel like Moses, the next, um, the next place that we're going to go to is the complacency um, lifestyle. So the complacency lifestyle, I think um, Moses uh, got, got a little too comfortable there in the complacency lifestyle. When you become complacent, you become complacent in every part of your life. Now, maybe more so in others, maybe it's a physical part of your life you've been complacent. You are going to start the diet every single Monday and it just didn't work out, right? We become complacent because we're too busy, because we don't have enough time, because we have enough time to serve everybody else but not take care of ourselves. I love Rachel Hollis. She's a great motivational speaker, and she has this book called Girl, Wash Your Face, and there's a lot of us girls that have to wash our face according to that book. We got a lot to work on, but one thing that she says is that why is it that you can make a promise to everybody else to do it, and you're going to do it because you made a promise, and you're a man of your word, or you're a woman of your word, and you're going to do it because you made a promise. But you promise yourself to do better. You promise yourself to do better on your health. You promise yourself to do the right thing as far as eating and taking care of your body. But you just can't keep that promise. What does that say about our self-worth, our self-value, that we're not good enough to keep a promise to ourselves, but we'll keep the promise to everybody else around us? I love that. I think that was just a great comparison for her. So this is where... um, we begin in the lifestyle. This is where we begin to function in this is as good as it's going to get mentality. So if you are a 2000 girl, you have seen the movie Princess Diaries. And in Princess Diaries, they make, uh, it's a Disney movie, and they make this young lady out to be a very unattractive young lady. Um, they do it obviously on purpose. She's very, uh, it's Anne Hathaway. She's a very beautiful woman. But they just make her out to be a very attra- unattractive lady. And then further along in the movie, she becomes a princess. But at one point in the movie, she has like this crazy, curly, unruly hair that's like out to here. She has braces. She has glasses. You know, she's kind of like portrayed as the dork. And, and this one part of the movie, she stands in front of the mirror and she says, well, this is as good as it's going to get. And she goes on her way. And I feel like sometimes we get that way. We get in the, well, this is as good as it's going to get complacency in the mindset, right? Sometimes we look at our house and we're like, you know what? It's not clean today, but this is as good as it's going to get. Or this is, and, and you know what? Sometimes in life, there are some areas that that's okay. But when this is good, good as it's going to get becomes an everyday thing for you, that's when it becomes complacency. That's when it becomes you're stuck in it. 
You can't get out of it. You can't get out of the this is as good as it's going to get mentality. So um, in, in this moment or in this place of complacency, we develop some things, right? So we develop pride. Pride of I don't need to do better. I'm good enough just the way I am. I don't need to do better. Mental illness, right? We become depressed, have anxiety, fear, anger, hate. We become stuck in this way and we get so frustrated. People get depressed because they don't feel good enough. Ask a mom that has dealt with postpartum depression and it's because she doesn't feel like she's a good enough mom. She's going to do something wrong with her baby. She's going to hurt her baby. She doesn't deserve to have her baby. We become complacent and out of those things come mental illness, come pride, come gluttony, right? How many of us have had a really good week and then we go somewhere and it goes to hell in a handbasket real quick and we're like, you know what? I've already had um, that honey bunny for breakfast this morning, so today I'm going to go ahead and just go eat that spaghetti and I'm going to go ahead and eat those brownies and I'm going to go ahead, right? We start binge eating because we're like, oh, this is good. And you know what? I already screwed up once today, so let's just keep on going, right? So gluttony, laziness. We become lazy. Oh, well, it will wait. It'll wait. It'll wait. We don't, I don't have to do that right now. I'm too tired. It goes back to the two. We grow an addiction, right? How many people do we know that self-medicate with alcohol or drugs because they're doing that because they're stuck in something they don't like? There's something about their life. If someone is using those substances to self-medicate, there's something about their life that they're trying to cover up, that they're trying to forget about, that they're trying to repress. They're not just doing it to do it. Nobody gets drunk and has a drunk, addictive spirit just to get drunk and have an addictive spirit. There's something, there's a root in their life that has brought that addictive spirit to life in them. Anger. There's a lot of people that deal with anger. There's a lot of people. Y'all, come on, look at the school shootings around this place. Look at the people. Miss, uh, my dad was driving down the road the other, or yesterday, um, and I was talking to my mom last night, and she said, she said, you know, M- Mr. White was driving down the road yesterday, and um, there was this guy, and the cop had him pulled over, and the cop uh, was laying on the ground, and this guy was just beating the mess out of them. And, you know, my dad stopped and called the cops and tried to help the cop. And the cop that night, yesterday night, called my dad and said, thank you, man. Thanks for looking out for me. Thank you. Because a lot of people, as police officers, a lot of people don't do that for us. And we thank you so much for that, for taking or having my back, man, helping me. And I love that because there's, it shows us that there's still good people in this world, right? And also, it shows us that all the anger, right? This person, he just got pulled over by the cop. He was speeding. And yeah, you know what? Sometimes I get upset. I get upset at myself more than the cop when I have, unless they're just snotty, which I've had a snotty cop before, but it's still my fault. So (laughs) uh, something about them Wilmington police officers. Um, I haven't had three tickets since I've moved here. Um, So anyways, uh, but, right, so they, that poor man, he was, I mean, he just pulled over the guy because he was going 40 in a 35, and this guy, like, just got out, and he was just so angry that it was just easy to take it out on this cop, right? So that anger, that anger came from somewhere, and then hate. This world is full of hate. If there's one word that illuminates this world is hate, 
There's a lot of people that hate each other for no good reason, just because media and society says to hate. Well, you know what? We don't have to hate. God was here long before media was, so we can love. I don't have to agree with you. I don't even have to necessarily like the person that you are. There's a lot of people in this world that I disagree with things that they do, and I don't necessarily like them or like what they stand for, but I surely am not going to hate them because hate is not a root in my spirit. But there are places for people that people have been to that have caused them to have a root of hate in their spirit. So in, in the next step of this complacency lifestyle, lifestyle, we begin to do this thing called suppression. How many guys went to, went to school? Most of us went to school, I hope. And uh, which if you didn't, hey, that's cool too. Um, we learn about this thing called Freud, Sigmund Freud, right? This, the Freud complex. Um, he was, he was kind of wackadoodle, but he gave us some good stuff, I guess. Uh, so we talked about, um, it with Sigmund Freud, suppression, suppression of our memories, suppression of our dreams. And I believe that when we live in the complacency lifestyle, we do just that. We suppress memories. We suppress things that, bad memories, good memories. We suppress our dreams, we're like, you know what? It's as good as it's going to get. And I know that God called me to do that, but I just, I just can't. We suppress our dreams. We suppress God-given talents. How many people have been so overwhelmed by anger and hate and hurt or church hurt? I can't tell you how many people I know that have had just a little bit of church hurt that has messed them up so much that they won't even serve in a church. They won't even come to church because they've had people in the church hurt them. Church people are some mean people, right? Right? They can be so, we can be some mean people, but, not, but you know what? We're not, we're not going to do that at Kingdom Life because we're going to love people. We're going to love people, and we're going to love people genuinely and authentically. Because when you love people genuinely and authentically, you win them over for Jesus. There's no other way to win someone over for Jesus but just to genuinely, authentically love them. I think that's why Pastor Doug is so successful as a pastor. And, why so, and I, what I love about Pastor Doug is, and I, mean, I don't know if he's watching this right now, but I'm not tooting his horn, but every time... Um, there's so many people that he's had a part of ministry or that have been a part of his ministry in his life, and they still reach out to him. And it's not because he is this miracle worker guy. It's not because he is this perfectionist. It's not because he's this just all this famous guy. It's because he genuinely loves people. And that's exactly what God called us to do. He said, love my neighbor. And I think Pastor Doug has that down to a T. Um, so Moses, um, when we come back to suppression, Moses, what he did was he suppressed his thoughts of the Israelites, I think. I think that he suppressed the thoughts of the Israelites. He, he was living in his lifestyle. He became comfortable, and he was like, just don't think about it. Don't think about the fact that they're getting beaten. Don't think about the fact that they're getting hurt. Don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. If you don't think about it, it will eventually go away. You know how people say, uh, then this is a lie, but people say, oh, it will, it will eventually stop hurting. Don't worry about it. It will eventually stop hurting. You'll eventually get better. It'll, just with time, it will get better. No. 
you got to work on things, right? Because because we have to we have to have um, clarification. We have to process those things in our lives and our roots. Because if we don't, then they we become they become suppressed, right? And what happens to things that become suppressed when we have triggers in our lives? Just like that guy that pulled out, got pulled over by the cop. Something in his life triggered a root, it pulled that root, it pulled that root of anger, it pulled that root of hate, and he started beating the snot out of a cop for no good reason. But it may not be no good reason to you or me, but he understands in his mind he has a root and there is a trigger and something caused him to do that. So we have these roots in our lives. So the next, um, the next part of this is where God said, Moses, I don't really care if you want to go. I don't necessarily really care if you're scared. That's okay. You can be scared. I'll walk with you. It's all good. I am the I am. Do you think Pharaoh can take me out? No, I am God. I can do this. But God said, I want you to move. He said, I want you to move closer to me right? So he said, will you stand on holy ground with me? Neil, if you'll go start that song. He said, if you stand on holy ground with me, I want you to move closer to the bush. Then he said, I want you to move my people out of Israel. He said, I want you to move across the Red Sea. He said, if you'll just move, that's all I'm asking you to do. If you'll just move, if you'll just get off your behind and move and step out of this place of complacency, watch me do my thing. Just watch me. Just watch me be God. Just watch me take you from this place where you feel unworthy, where you feel not good of, where your dreams are lost, where your heart is broken, where you feel like a failure, and just watch me. Complacency, the, the best thing about complacency that I can say to you is that the devil wants us to be complacent. Right? He wants us to be complacent. He said, if I could just get you there, if I could just get you to that place of complacency, and complacency doesn't happen overnight, right? It's things, it's those roots, it's those moments that bring us and we get stuck in this place of complacency. And the devil says, if I could just get you there, if I could just keep you there, then I can help you not get to the greatness that God has called you to. I can take you out of the greatness. I can take you out of the will of God. I can help you make the choice to be out of the will of God. I'll help you do that. The devil wants you there. He wants you to get stuck there. And see, and I feel like that's what Moses almost did, right? That's what Moses almost did. He was there and because he was so comfortable and he was so complacent, he compromised the greatness that God had for him. Complacency compromises greatness. Your greatness is different than my greatness. God has given you a greatness and God has given him a greatness. We all have a greatness that God has given us. But when we become complacent and we become stagnant and we become unwilling to grow and to move forward and to move, we become, we compromise our greatness. So the title of my message today is Moving Out. It has absolutely nothing to do with the building, guys. <laughs> I was, when I titled it, I was like, uh, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the building. But so we have to move out of a place of complacency to move into the greatness that God has called us to be. 
We have to move out of a place of stagnation to move towards the dreams that God has given you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and it is not to be complacent. It is not to be stuck. It is not to be compromised. It is not, I have so much more for you. Man, could you imagine if Moses was there and, and he had just stayed in this place? Could you imagine what would have happened if he had just stayed there? But my God, the greatness that was in this man that God had called for them. He parted the Red Sea. What a miracle. One of the, one of the monumental moments in the Old Testament that he, he took part of. But had he just been complacent and had he just been stuck, and had he not moved when God told him to move, then he would have compromised the greatness. And I believe that today there's a lot of us in here that maybe right now our greatness is compromised. All right, now maybe you're thinking, I'm, I'm not complacent. I'm not, I'm not complacent, I think, I think I'm good. I, I mean, I do this, I, I eat healthy, I pray, I, I, you know, I, I take care of my kids, my house is clean. Okay, that's fine. Maybe you're complacent on the surface level, right? But are you complacent in your spirit? Are you seeking God hungry, 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 hungry? Are you hungry for God in a new way? Are you hungry for God? Are you running after God? Because God says, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, he doesn't play hide and seek. He doesn't play guessing games. God is a very real, real God. And he says, I am right here. I'm right here. I want you. And if you'll run after me, and if you'll come after me, and if you'll move after this complac out of this complacency, then there'll be greatness. There'll be greatness. I believe that if we move out of complacency, kingdom life will be greatness. There will be greatness when people step out of complacency. I'm guilty of complacency. There's, there's some things that I do that I'm just like, you know what? Like I could do so much better than that. I, I think that often. I could be so much better. I could do so much more. But then life happens. I get too busy. I get too tired. I have a two-year-old and she's a, that's one of the twos. I, life gets hard, right? Life gets complicated. I, I just, I need this too much. God, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you. I have to, I have to work, I have to go make money. Like I, I just, I get too, right? I get complacent, I get stuck. Bow your head and close your eyes with me.